When you run a business, you have a choice. Do I do it myself? Or do I do it with a partner? While it can be appealing to have a business partner, not every business relationship thrives. Sometimes, the person you set out to make money with is more of a financial detriment than anything else. And if they don't like the way you do business, you might just end up dead. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to travel back over a century to discuss the 1900 disappearance and murder of George E. Bailey, a man who committed a crime in his own time, then ended up in trouble with his business partner. Guys, this story has some drama to it. As you all know, I generally try to show a fair amount of respect when we discuss cases. I believe that every murder is a tragedy, but I also believe that there's a fine line between a modern tragedy and a piece of history. In today's episode, we're going to travel back 121 years to a world that was very different from the one that we know today. And here's where I need to make a confession. If you listen to the show somewhat regularly, you probably know that I'm a writer. And being a writer, you can safely assume that I love reading. And because I'm a freaking nerd, when I am not binging fantasy novels, I am obsessing over the classics. I think that there are a lot of pretentious reasons to love classic novels, but there's one completely unflattering reason to love them. And that is the drama. I know that books are made to include certain situations because it makes them interesting, but I also think that the way that society used to operate was just different, and you get a lot of that in classic novels. It brings a ridiculous amount of drama, not just the kind of drama that comes from sharing the wrong tweet, but full-on scandals. And this case has a lot of that energy. While I recognize that this is a murder case, and while I know that it is horrible, I also know that some time has passed since this crime occurred, and I'd like to include the real meat of the story. So today, we're going to talk a lot about character, crimes, and the scandals that shook an old society. Before I get started, I feel like you should also know that I just read A Good Marriage by Stephen King, which was the inspiration for the show 1922. And of course, I would highly recommend both. Now let's do this. As you might expect, this case has a lot going on from start to finish. But let's start with the murder victim, George E. Bailey. George was a proper man in the 1900s. If you saw a picture of him, you would think, Ah, yes, here is a man straight out of history. He was neat, clean-cut, and committed. At least, that was what people thought. George was married to a woman that he loved, the mother of his first handful of children. But then, she suddenly died. After her death, George remarried. 
Though the year 1900 was not the society that we love to put in movies, there were still a lot of rules to follow. Society had expectations, and for a man like George, there was no real life without a wife and children. George had a few more kids that he hoped would make him proud, but then something else happened. George fell in love with his wife's half-sister. At this point, George decided that his wife wasn't good enough. He decided that he wanted something else. So he left his wife and their six kids, two of which were not even hers, alone. He abandoned her and ran off with her sister, leaving her to fend for herself and six kids in a world where men were still expected to manage property and the expenses. Guys, I'm an independent business owner. I am a woman with a college degree. I make my own money at a time where I have the luxury of making my own money. And I still cannot imagine funding six kids alone. But George ran off with his mistress. And then he made her his new wife, while his abandoned wife worked nonstop to raise the kids he left behind. With his new lover, Susie, George ventured out and obtained a farm. Then they had a kid. George's seventh kid. George decided that he needed to make money, so he joined forces with a partner, John Best. John was a driven man who wanted the, air quotes, best for everyone around him. Or at least that was what he sold. But in this story, nobody really is what they seem. As would be expected, John was eager to make money. He was well-educated and had the skills that he needed to run a successful business. He was also one hell of a shot, which was pretty impressive back in that day. Leveraging his history in farming, he was ready to run a farm with George. And from this unity, their business was born. But it wasn't all that great. See... John had some problems that started to show themselves. Most notably, he had a severe drinking problem. John was known to get drunk and get into fights. His nature, while under the influence, was dangerous at best and catastrophic at worst. And it showed. John's problems were actually so severe that George took note of them. And then he decided to take matters into his own hands. George didn't trust John. He didn't think that John was in control of his finances or his actions, which is why George continuously took active steps to stop John from making bad decisions. This included withholding his pay at times so he wouldn't waste it on alcohol, it also meant faking him out with the business accounts. 
George actually trusted John so little that even where the business's money was concerned, George would give John less, knowing in his heart that the money would go to the drink and not to fulfilling his duties on behalf of the company. I have to assume that he thought that this was less offensive than just refusing to let him take company money at all, but... As you might imagine, George treating John like the addict that he was bred some contention on both ends. George resented that John couldn't stay away from alcohol. John resented that George didn't trust him, and his rage grew with time. But then, something else happened. Susie, George's mistress-turned-wife, received news. Horrible news. Her mother was sick and dying. And for the first time in ages, Susie felt the urge to run back to her family. She made the decision to go home. But there was just one problem. George wouldn't go with her. And I am sure you can imagine why. After running off with his original wife's sister and leaving her to fend for herself with six children, George couldn't bear the shame of it. He was convinced that if he returned, it would only bring misery. And honestly, if I had to guess, I would assume that he was afraid he would be arrested. Or possibly that he would be killed for his actions. The world used to be different. But ultimately, George couldn't bring himself to return. So he sent his wife alone. And this is where everything went wrong. A couple weeks passed before anyone thought about George Bailey again. His wife was gone, and he was working. What more could there be? But then, someone got worried about George. John started walking around asking if anyone had seen George, because George had suddenly disappeared. He claimed that George was missing, that he had been gone for over a day, and that he was really worried about his business partner. Like I said before, this was a different time. John didn't go to the cops. He just asked around with the neighbors. That was kind of what you did back then, right? And maybe John had a good reason. Maybe he was worried about the cops getting involved because his good pal George had run out on his wife and was wanted by the family and the police. At least, that was one neighbor's theory. But guys, it was actually a solid one. George was literally wanted for betraying his first wife. The police were actually after him for his actions. That is a fact. But John was just looking out for his friend, right? Well, as you can imagine, John had a bigger reason to avoid bringing it to the police. And John's problems were highlighted 
by the knowledge of his neighbors. Not only did John not want the police involved, which eventually they started to think was a little strange, he was also at the farm when witnesses claimed that someone was running a bonfire on the property and burning blankets. You know, like you do for totally normal and not at all related to a murder reasons. But as ridiculous as this cover might seem, there might be more to it. On a farm, there are animals, right? And just recently, I learned about just how many problems can come from animals. Last month, my dog went to stay with grandma and her uncles. And while I love these three individuals more than life itself, I was certainly shocked when my Netflix-watching, chronic-napping apartment dog came back with fleas. So, maybe that was what John was doing. Maybe the blankets had fleas on them, and he was just getting rid of them for that very normal reason. Or maybe John murdered George on top of the blankets and decided to burn them to destroy the evidence. We didn't exactly have DNA evidence in 1900. Literally, back then, getting rid of the evidence was enough. At least, it was until George's body showed up. He was dead, and this was no accident. George's body wasn't in good shape, I'm going to be honest with you guys. For reference, his legs were found after they found the rest of him. He was shoved into bags that had been weighed down so they would sink in a local pond. But they still found him. And they identified him. And then, they got suspicious. By this point, we all know never to talk to police unless you have a lawyer present, but that wasn't the case here. Police just kind of handled things. Police found bullet holes in George's body. When they inspected the wounds, they determined that he was shot recently, nowhere near the time that his wife had left. He disappeared right around when John started asking for him. And he did not die a pleasant death. For obvious reasons, Susie returned, and she was all too quick to identify some new stains in her house. These new stains told a very interesting story. George was killed in his own home. And the entire neighborhood was pretty sure that they knew who did it. John was pursued extensively, and in the end, he was sentenced to death. But he wasn't just sentenced to death. He was the first man to end up in the electric chair in the state of Massachusetts. And that is how he died. It is a commonly accepted truth that George was killed by John, but honestly, I still kind of feel like no one knows 
The case is focused on the story and the likelihood that John's horrible tendencies turned on his best friend. But nothing in this case seems that concrete, just likely. And that raises an interesting point about old cases. I guess I'm just glad that enough people in later cases thought to preserve DNA, even if they didn't have the tech for it to be useful. I suspect that John killed George, but I don't know. It was just kind of a different time. What I do know is that there was a man who made a lot of enemies, and the moment he was alone with a friend, he died. That is rough, and for the seven kids he left behind, it is even worse. As a final note on the story, his farm also burned down, so that's something. I just want to say thank you for coming along for the ride on this one. I know that this episode was a little twist on a bit of historical drama, but I hope that you enjoyed it. So, if you want to talk ye old etiquette or old school business practices, please send me a message on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. 